This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com. Alrighty then, welcome to the Sneaky Plays Podcast. I'm Brian Catino here with Joe Duffy. What's going on, Joe? Nothing, man. Uh, ready to get into some baseball. Spring training's coming to an end. We're getting started. Uh, it's, it's about time, dude. Spring or uh, opening day right around the corner. Yeah, is this not the greatest time of the year? I mean, geez, just so much going on. NFL free agency is uh, turning up. Um, I mean, March Madness is, I mean, literally around the corner, about four days away. So this is, it's, it's amazing stuff going on right now. Uh, if if you like gambling like me, there's nothing better than this. March Madness, you're in the home stretch of the NBA and NHL seasons. Baseball's getting underway. It's the perfect time of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, tonight, uh, tonight's podcast is uh, about the AL East, um, the Beast of the East. Before we get started, though, I want to know if you, if your favorite team, your favorite MLB team never existed, what do you think your favorite team would be? That's interesting. All right, so I um, obviously being from the New York, New Jersey area, the the quick answer would be the Mets or the Yankees. But like, I grew up and I I made it known to everyone. You know me when we were kids. I told everyone I'll never root for the Mets or Yankees. So I'd say maybe probably the Baltimore Orioles, close in proximity. My dad was an Orioles fan, so that's probably who I'd root for. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same way. Um, you know, we both hated the the New York teams. Um, definitely hated the Yankees a little bit more. But um, I guess if the Rays didn't exist, which they haven't really existed for very long, about 21 years. Uh, yeah, right. I guess I would say I like the Nationals because now that I live in D.C., um, I, I, like, I like going to Nats Park. But it's got to be the Orioles, man. That's uh, I love that ballpark. I went to school near that ballpark, so uh, – yeah, I guess it would be the Orioles, and uh, we'd be really upset. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, let's be thankful that, that uh, we have the teams we have. Exactly. So let's uh, let's talk about those Baltimore Orioles. Um, so right now, I mean, after last year, miserable season, uh, one of the worst records in baseball ever. Um, they're, uh, they're not looking too shabby this year either. Uh, their pipeline um, – it's okay. It's actually a lot of the guys are clearly all, you know, they're on the MLB active roster. So, um, right. go ahead. No, right. Um, they were what, that was one of the 10 worst seasons in the history of baseball last year. And most of them date back to like the early 1900s aside from them. Um, yeah. Most of those guys you're talking about pipeline guys, you're going to see most of them this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a couple guys you're already up, uh, Chance Cisco, and then Renato Nunez, Richie Martin, um, Santander. And then I think by the end of the season, probably really early in the season, we'll see uh, Usniel Diaz, uh, Ryan Mountcastle, and the DL Hall. Um, I mean, so they got they got a bunch of guys. It's just they're all going to be like a literally a big part of this team. And going up in the, in the ALEs, it's just – it's just not feasible. You, you can't hold up with, with guys like this. Um, I mean, there'll be sparks of talent here and there, but for the most part, it's, it's going to be a really, really, really rough season in Baltimore. Austin Hayes is another guy, too, who uh, he'll probably start the season uh, with the big club. If not, he'll be up shortly. But, yeah, like you said, man, um, this is going to be a lineup that's probably running three veterans deep, one through nine. Uh, every given day, and the veterans they're throwing out there aren't exactly high-end, top-tier players. It's a guy in Chris Davis who uh, was the laughing stock of baseball last year, a guy in Mark Trumbo who's hardly ever on the field, and when he is, he's not hitting the ball at a high, uh, high average. And, you know, Trey Mancini's probably the bright spot in the lineup, but is he going to carry it? Uh, there's no chance. Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, you know, three veterans pretty much, um, you could sprinkle in a bunch of young guys, uh, Joey Ricard, um, uh, who's had up and down, you know, weeks in the, in the major leagues. He's never been really consistent when he's been up. Um, Jonathan Villar, I mean, same thing, just no consistency here in this lineup. It's all guys that don't hit for average at all and they don't hit enough home runs. So it's, it's a, it's a struggling lineup for sure. Yeah, this is going to be, um, 
I mean, the guys you're talking about, uh, Villar, um, you know, and then the Trumbos, the Mancinis, the Davises, there's no way those guys are carrying a lineup. And if we're just being honest about it on any other MLB team, they're platoon guys. They're not guys that are seeing the field every day. They're not, they're not starters. They shouldn't be paid like starters. I mean, the Chris Davis contract is outrageous. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a good situation over there. Yeah. It's, it's that Chris Davis deal has to be the worst deal ever in baseball. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. I mean, there's going to be a few in the next few years that we might look back on like that, but as of today, yeah, Chris Davis by far. Yeah, for sure. Um, in the off season, they added a couple, couple veteran guys. They added Alcides Escobar. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. We got to take that back. Bobby Bonilla and then Chris Davis. <laughs> Bobby Bonilla is still getting paid to what? 2031, correct? I, I think 35, dude. I think he's on contract longer than Bryce Harper, who just signed for 13 years. That That is just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So we'll put Chris Davis, too. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, some guys they added in the offseason who really are going to make a huge difference, but are there veteran guys for the ball, uh, for the, you know, the ball club? Uh, Alcides Escobar um, can play infield. Nate Carnes. Uh, probably come out of the pen a little bit. And then Jesus Sucre, who's a veteran catcher who really couldn't hit the br- uh, the broad side of a barn. So, um, I mean, you know, not not great additions to the team, but guys are good good ball club guys and uh, enjoy going to the field every day. So, I mean, they d- kind of did what they had to do, which wasn't much, you know. I mean, there's nothing they really can do in the AL East this year. Yeah, uh, I'm happy that you tried to put that as like in as nice terms as possible because the fact of the matter is they can't really spend money because they're not in a position to. No one wants to go to the city of Baltimore to play for a team that's going to lose well, lose a hundred something games this year. Um, you know, Alcides Escobar. The reason he's there is because he's going to get paid more to go there than he would anywhere else. I mean, it's just when we're looking at this team are we really looking at any of these veteran guys and thinking yeah they're there for the long haul there no there's not a single one and we don't know if half of these pipeline guys are really going to pan out so look Baltimore they could do what they want in free agency and bring guys in to fill the time but they're not fooling anyone it's not going to help them I mean it's just a temporary fix for a major problem yeah absolutely um let's move on to the rotation which also isn't very good, but I guess it would have one bright spot in uh, Dylan Bundy at the top of that rotation. And then it kind of falters down to Andrew Kashner, um, a course of Alex Cobb, David Hess, and Jeffrey Ramirez. So, I mean, <laughs> after Bundy, who hasn't really been that great in his career so far, I mean, it's, it's, it's really bad. Yeah, Bundy's shown um... – some signs of greatness and then some signs of just being mediocre. He's been inconsistency has been his deal, but um, I do like the uh, David Hess and Mike Wright toward the back end of that rotation. I do think there's upside with both of those guys, but I mean, those first three guys in Bundy, Cobb and Kashner, those are three guys who, when they came up, you were looking at a lot of upside, a lot of potential, and they all just kind of haven't panned out. They've shown signs and, you know, it's just been mediocrity for the most part. So those guys, if they're going to win games this year, they're going to have to carry the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cobb and Castor both have – they've had good years before, but, I mean, last year for Cobb was atrocious. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, – he's it looks like he's done. But that was, an, that was another signing where at the end of last season when he looked at the free agency the year before, that was one of the worst signings the whole offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to their bullpen, they got, um, I mean, like I said, Nate Carnes, uh, he'll pitch for them in the back end. And then their closer, Michael Gibbons, who's shown he has a good stuff, but he's wild. Um, not a lot of command of his pitches, but again, some electric stuff. And then uh, Jimmy Yacobonis, who's shown some sparks of good stuff too. But other than that, man, it's it's not much. Yeah, I'm I'm not about to sit here and talk about Paul Fry and Cody Carroll, um, who are just going to be innings eaters. That bullpen's predicated on the guys that are going to be in at the end of games. Givens is a guy who has, like you said, electric stuff, but 
he's uh he's got to find the zone so at least this year he'll have an opportunity to work on that without having really to worry about results but yeah i mean aside from that that bullpen is probably the worst in baseball i don't know what do you think uh yeah i would definitely say within the bottom three for sure um i mean yeah it's it's not good not a lot of strike throwers which is kind of what you need there um <laughs> but anyway let's let's just uh get past the euros real quick um player to watch for me chance cisco um as a 372 average in 78 mlb career games so uh i'm a little excited to see him play um he's had a good spring training so far for baltimore and uh i'm looking forward to seeing him play in the catching position for the orioles this year yeah i agree i think uh it's, it's always catching such a thin position in the major leagues it's so Anytime a young kid comes up and you get the opportunity to see him play, it's worth paying attention to because, you know, like I said, there's only really 10, 15 good uh, do-it-all catchers in the league at a time. So he's definitely an interesting prospect. Um, My player to watch is going to be Dylan Bundy, and the reason being is I saw Bundy pitch, I think, three times when he was in the minor leagues, and at that time there was kind of no doubt he was going to be a front-line rotation guy um long term in the MLB over the last few years he's it's been up and down a lot of injuries and the second half of last year was as about as bad of a disaster as he could have had so I want to see if Bundy can bounce back and really get back to that potential he'd shown yeah for sure he's he's definitely shown some good stuff um like you said you've seen him in the minors Uh, I watched a couple of his starts as well um I mean he's again good stuff just Let's see if we can get it all together this year in a no-pressure season. Um, and then fantasy-wise, I mean, there's not much. Uh, I guess maybe Trumbo for his home run potential as well as uh, Mancini, but really not much after that. Yeah, no, I, uh, Mancini's mine. I, he's got 30 home run power, but you should probably only expect 15 to 25 from him. Um, the reason you go with him over Trumbo is probably just because he's going to be in the lineup more. And it's really that simple. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Um, World Series odds, I mean, 1,000 to 1. Not even going to attempt to put a dollar on that. I wouldn't even put 10 cents on that. No, nah, I would I would rather an airhead than that bet. <laughs> and uh, over under 59 and a half. See, this is an interesting number because I, I'm not going to touch it because the number is just – I can't I – can't, bet a team to win less than 59 games but my head is telling me that they're gonna win less than 59 games i'm actually gonna take you over i think they win 62 games all right <laughs> all right hey man it's gonna be close to that number 62 and 100 they're not they're not by any means blowing away that 59 mark so that's gonna be uh one that comes down to the finish oh absolutely hopefully they uh they play um I don't even know who towards the end of the season, maybe the Marlins yeah, or something. Yeah, peep that schedule. Maybe you get the Tigers, Marlins, and uh, Blue Jays lined up or something. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the Blue Jays, let's move on to them. Um, complete opposite type of pipeline. Uh, they've got a lot of names. Um, number one prospect in all of baseball, Vlad Jr., followed by Bo Bichette, who's the 11th uh, prospect. He's a shortstop. Danny Jansen, who's probably going to be a starting catcher for them this year, 65th prospect in baseball. And then two pitchers, Nate Pearson and Eric Bardinho. I mean, five guys in the top 100. So we're looking at some good stuff for the future for the Blue Jays. Um, what do you think about these guys that are uh, on their way up right now? Man, I'm excited about these guys. I'm excited that we finally are going to get to watch Vlad Jr. on basically a nightly basis. Um, Bo Bichette's not far behind. Ho- hopefully it's sooner than later because, I-, I mean, they could use him. But this is – when you want to talk about electric baseball players, Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette are exactly that. Those are two guys where even if the the entire makeup of that team isn't necessarily strong, they're going to put out a product every day that what gets fans into that ballpark. So Toronto's uh, on the up and up for sure with these kids. Yeah, for sure. So Vlad Jr., um, he's got that oblique strain. Um, so he's out a few weeks. We'll see what they do with him. Um, supposedly, Bo Bichette is actually going to come up sooner than people are thinking, um, especially with the lack of, you know, middle infield talent that they have right now. Um, 
that middle infield talent includes uh, Loris Guriel, uh, a little bit of Brandon Drury, and uh, Freddie Galvis. So, I mean, I don't see why not bring up Obachet and Vlad Jr. and have an electric infield right now. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that if, I mean, we might get into this down the line, but Kendrys Morales is probably a guy that will get dealt um, as the deadline approaches. He seems to be a guy that's always in talks. And Freddie Galvis is one of the better defensive shortstops in all of baseball. So it's not like you can't have Bo Bichette come up and just get at bats. Or the same thing with Vlad, where they could DH and you could still get these guys on the infield. So I, I think that, uh, you know, it seemed like Bo Bichette was going to take a while, but the way this team's built uh, sooner seems like the, uh, the right choice for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of the other additions that they've had in this offseason, besides from Freddie Galvis, have been Clay Buckholz, um, who's kind of find his way into that rotation. John Axford might find his way at the back end of the bullpen. Uh, Matt Shoemaker and then uh, Eric Sogard, pure bench guy. So, actually, decent moves for a team that wasn't trying to do too much. Yeah, a team that's just trying to compete, really. I mean, they're not necessarily in a rebuild because that system is already built up. It's just a matter of those guys breaking through and really seeing where everything fits. So, I, I like the moves. It's just to keep them in, in contention, competing every day. They're not looking to make a playoff push, but, you know, like I said before, just put a good product out on the field. Absolutely. I mean, you know, those Toronto fans want to see some good baseball. Um, they're really passionate up there. So if they can get some exciting guys on the field, it'll be worth watching. Um, their lineup, it honestly, it isn't too bad. Um, you probably have Guriel at the top, possibly, or Kevin Pillar, a mixture of the two. Um, T. Oscar uh, Hernandez in a mix there. Brandon Jury, Justin Smoke. Like you said, Kendrick Morales, who might be dealt at the deadline. Uh, Randall Kritchik. Um, and then Danny Jansen is going to find his way to the big league roster this season and Freddie Galvis at the bottom. So, I mean, a lineup that, you know, it's it's not the easiest lineup to pitch to. No, it's not. And um, hold on, I'm going to get right into that. But we got a live podcast update. OBJ has been traded to the Browns, Tino. Wow. I, I, saw, I, I saw something about an AFC North team in the mix. I thought it was the Browns. But, wow, that's, uh, that's an incredible uh, – move right there holy wow <laughs> yeah but not as incredible as bringing Bo Bichette up before they should it would be um I... <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah but no this um I like the makeup of the lineup where um in the middle with Smoke and Morales you do get that source of power and Grichik too who's got some pop in his bat and then surrounding them you got guys that can move on the bases and Pilar, Guriel, McKinney so I think that if not for anything, while they they might not be the best hitters, at least the makeup of the lineup and what they're going to be able to do when they get guys on base, they'll still be able to produce some runs. Now, yeah, yeah, for sure. At a middle of the pack rate, but still, they'll produce nonetheless. Exactly. They're not going to blow any team away, but they have the potential to hit a couple home runs every now and then uh, in the game, steal some bases, and uh, get some teams into trouble. Um Moving on to their rotation, nothing to write home about. Um, I'm not sure how you would feel about having Marcus Stroman as your number one, um, but he is number one for Toronto, followed by Aaron Sanchez, who's shown some good stuff, shown some bad stuff. Matt Shoemaker, who's as average as they can be. Um, Clay Buckholz, who's, you know, the back end of his career right now. And then probably a mixture of Baraki, who is the only lefty they have, and then Clayton Richard, who's uh, 31 years old. So, I mean, six guys who – can get the job done, but, I mean, you go into a series against Toronto and you're not afraid. This rotation should – they should be endorsed for the help I've fallen and can't get up button. There's <laughs> – how many how many games are we going to get out of these five guys this year? Because Shoemaker, Richard, Buckholz, and Sanchez are hurt every year. And while Stroman hasn't been hurt every year, he has shown a tendency that – He's not going to give you a full 162-game season. So I'm just curious how many innings they're really going to get out of these guys. To me, that's the biggest issue. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think we'll be seeing those those two prospects, uh, Pearson and Pardino, up um, sooner than we think, especially with, like you're saying, the 
the stability of these guys. I mean, none of them have really had a full season in the last three years. So, I mean, I don't know what they're really trying to accomplish there. Yeah, it's a bunch of re- retool, rebuild projects in, all in the same rotation. It It's a weird makeup. Um, it's To me, it kind of feels similar to how the Indians built up their bullpen with just guys that they knew they could get cheap that have experience. But, yeah, I don't think it's one that's measured up for success by any stretch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, moving to that back end, it's also nothing to write home about. Um, they got nut job Ken Giles as their closer. And then, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, a couple other guys that just – Guy is a loose cannon. Loose cannon is definitely definition of Ken Giles. Um, I mean, he does have some good electrifying stuff, but, boy, is he, uh, is he crazy. <laughs> yeah, Ken Giles basically mirrors his fastball. He's 100 miles an hour all the time, and he no- has no idea where he's going. Yeah, so are there any other guys in that bullpen that, that really stand out to you? Uh, you touched on it earlier. I did like the Axford move just because uh, – just for stability. Um, and Bud Norris as well, who had a bit of a resurgence last year in St. Louis. Um, I think he's better suited for the bullpen, so another opportunity for him to show that he can extend his career. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on from that, some of their bench guys – for that lineup, include McKinney, who's going to be interchanged in the outfield quite a bit. Um, Luke Mayo, who's a steady backup catcher, literally the definition of a backup catcher. Um, and then Eric Sogard, who has shown some glimpses of good stuff, but just pure bench guy. Um, and uh, moving on to players to watch. For me, right now, um, before Vlad Jr. and Bichette come up, it's Marcus Stroman. I want to see if he can stay healthy. He can be a number one. Um, he's shown some good signs he's shown some bad signs so far so i'm looking to see if he can be consistent for an entire season yeah i agree with that um stroman's definitely up there on my list my the guy i got at the top is kevin pilar um i think when the deadline rolls around pilar is going to be one of the more interesting guys that are likely to get moved so i think uh keeping an eye on him, seeing how his season's going, where he might go, how he fits in with other teams. He's going to be someone to watch throughout the year for me. Yeah, for sure. Pilar is like one of the hardest working players in the league. So, and he's, he's so fun to watch play the outfield. It's uh he's a gold glover out there for sure. Um, fantasy wise for me, uh, Justin smoke. I mean, his, his ability to hit the long ball, um, keeps him pretty relevant in fantasy. Um, Maybe maybe Ken Giles, if he starts to have a good year, you could pick him up on waivers. Randall Gritchick, same thing. If he starts to pick it up, you could pick him up on waivers probably as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with all that. Um, look, man, I'm looking at Vlad. I don't know about you, but I know we don't really have any sample size, but he's to me, he's the best player on this team already. Um, he's going to uh, fit right in the middle of that lineup. He's going to produce. He's going to hit uh, hit those – or hit a bunch of home runs, drive the gap. So, Vlad's the guy for me, um, especially since he's going to get that security from Smoke. Uh, he'll probably slide in three or four – or four or five, rather, behind Smoke and Morales or sandwich between Smoke and Morales. So, I think Vlad fits perfectly in that lineup to not only just have a breakout year in his rookie year, but have like an all-star caliber year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I was going to mention him. I'm just not sure how I feel about drafting him um, in fantasy right now. You just don't know what the Blue Jays are going to do. So if you're in a league that, you know, you have to pay for ad drops and whatnot, um, and actually might be smart to add him, but who, who knows at this rate um, what the Blue Jays are going to do. If if they don't bring him up sooner rather than later, it's it's a mistake for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I mean, obviously it comes down to that control, but – Look, you got to get the guy up there at some point. You got to see what you have in this team. Exactly. Um, World Series odds two fifty to one. It's actually not that bad of a bet. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not going to take it though. No, probably not either. But you know, <laughs> not the worst. Um, over under seventy three and a half. You, you over under on that? I am over on the Blue Jays. I think they'll get to about seventy six, seventy seven wins this year. I'm also over taking them at seventy five wins. 
same ballpark there. I like that. Absolutely. So moving on to the Boston Red Sox, the reigning World Series champions. Um, not happy about that, huh? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't bother me as much as it might bother you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too happy. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, their pipeline includes a couple guys. Uh, Michael Chavis, who's a corner infield guy, 79th uh, overall prospect. And then a guy that I've been looking at a lot, Bobby Dahlbeck, who uh, who plays a little bit of 3B. Uh, what do you think about those two guys? I think they're both studs, but I think they both play third base, and so does Rafael Devers. So it's kind of a situation of where's everyone going to fit in. I I completely agree. I think, me personally, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Devers. I I'd rather try to trade him um, for a piece, preferably in their bullpen, right? Because that that's what they're lacking for this year. And just move up, either you know Chavez or Dahlbeck, and you still have Eduardo Nunez. So I mean, that that's that's my personal opinion. I don't know what you think about Devers. Um, I, I'm a little bit higher on Devers than you. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think he's the next Nolan Arenado or anything, but I'm definitely higher on him than you. I don't know that I would deal him this year, especially after your lineup the the year it had last year. I don't know if you really want to mess with that. Uh, the juju for for a lack of a better term but yeah I mean these guys are going to be coming up sooner than later it's either you're going to move one of them if or both of them um, I'd be curious to see if one of them could play first base um, Moreland's a little bit older now maybe one of them can slide there but yeah I don't know that I'd move off Devers quite yet yeah I mean I mean Chavis Chavis has shown that he can play uh both corners, um, third base probably a little bit better than first, but yeah, like you know, it's it's tough when they when they have the lineup with this much pop, one through nine, it's it's tough to move anybody from it, um, especially with the success that they had last year. Um, speaking of that lineup, I mean, it's going to be a mixture of Benintendi and Betts at the top, with JD Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Mitch Moreland intertwined with Steve Pierce right there, uh, Pedroia mixed in with little Brock Holt, um, Devers, JBJ, and then a mixture of Sandy Leone and Christian Vasquez. So, I mean, <laughs> still got that, that World Series type yeah, of lineup. Still that, still that World Series lineup. And, I mean, a lineup that led baseball in runs scored, in hits, in doubles, in total bases, in RBIs, in batting average, and on base percentage. Like, the list, what they let in as a team last year, the list just runs down and down and down. Um, there was not a competition for – who might be up there with the best lineup in baseball. It was clear cut from the get-go was the Red Sox. Nothing's changed. Um, You know, I don't think we see crazy numbers like that again, but expect more of the same from them offensively. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, just their hitting last year was, was amazing. Um, I see some of the same going to happen this year. Um, Like you said, maybe not the same numbers, but they're definitely not going to be fun to pitch to again. Um, Moving on to that rotation, I mean, still good. Um, got Chris Sale, got David Price, Rick Porcello, Nathan Avaldi, and uh, Rodriguez at the back end. Um, three lefties mixed in with two righties. That's that's a uh, it's a pretty good rotation yet again. Yeah, it's a solid rotation, um, and now a very playoff experience rotation, and they know they're going to be back there, so. Um, you know, it's a perfect fit for that to go with that lineup they have. Um, it's a it's a rotation that's going to need to eat some more innings this year. Um, as you touched on before, that bullpen is probably their biggest issue right now. So I think you're going to need to see a few more innings out of guys like Price and Evaldi down the stretch. But yeah, I mean, I expect that rotation to keep them in games night in, night out. Yeah, absolutely. These guys need to go six, seven innings uh, on a consistent basis in order for them to compete with the Yankees. Um, I mean, you know, Price, he did well in the playoffs last year, but, you know, it seems like he's on a slight decline over the past couple seasons, um, showing some signs that he's getting a little bit older. Yeah, 100%. Um, You know, it was weird because before he went on that stretch of pitching great in the postseason, he had – or he had that little spell where he was awful – so I don't know if that was more of a chip on the shoulder, adrenaline, you know, go through the postseason thing, or if that was, hey, I'm David Price, I'm getting back to my old form. Um, 
you know, time will tell. We'll see. But there's a lot of miles on that arm at this point. If you remember when he first came up with Tampa, he was coming out of the bullpen anyway. So I think he's going to eventually make that transition. I don't think it'll back to the bullpen. I don't think it'll be as soon as later this year, but I do think it's happening down the road. Yeah, I actually agree with you there. Um, he seemed kind of fired up coming out of that out of that bullpen in, in big games. Like you said, he did it with the Rays, so he's had experience doing it. Um, moving on to their current bullpen now, though, it's like like we've touched on. It's, it's a little rough back there. Um, I mean, they got a couple guys, Matt Barnes, um, Hembry, Workman, Brazier, and Thornburg. But, I mean, it's it's uh, it's thin, man. They lost Kimbrell and they lost Kelly. So, two guys that threw, uh, threw important innings for them last year. Yeah, to me, this is kind of falling in love with your postseason success. Like, a lot of these guys that, like the Matt Barnes, Ryan Braziers, guys that pitched well, but during the postseason, but when you look at them during the regular season and from a consistency basis, they're not really high-end bullpen guys. They they wouldn't be considered that. So I think this is kind of a situation where they thought they were getting – or they think they're getting a bargain on their bullpen with guys that can really shut down games. But to me, the reality is they're going to find out pretty quickly that the back end of their bullpen is not going to hold up. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think there's – something that they need to do um soon i mean if, if they want to compete in the in the ales man they they got to do they got to make some moves soon um and, and look um craig kimbrell is still out there we don't know what's going to happen so it is possible he goes back there um i don't think it happens but that is still a possibility yeah no it, it definitely is um i mean i think he deserves his money wherever he goes um but we'll see you know we'll we'll see what uh where he yeah, ends someone up. someone needs to sit Craig Kimbrell and his agent down and tell them that five years for a closer is just come on man let's let's get realistic let's shoot for three four years and you know let's let's get this done with already yeah no I I agree with the years thing um I I think he's worth money but five years is a lot for a closer um I mean you've seen for uh, over across the MLB that closers really you know they don't stay you know (laughs) They, they move around they, you know, they get lost, get lost in the cities that they end up in. Um, I mean, they don't, they don't do it for multiple years. There's obviously a few that that do stay. Like um, right now, it's Chapman for the, the Yankees, but again, he's bounced around already. So, you know, it's five years is a lot, man. I, I completely agree with you there. Um, imagine, imagine Eric Gagne got a five-year deal after his career year. That team would have been. Are you kidding me, man? You can't <laughs> five years for a closer. Come on now. No, I, I agree 100%. Um, moving on to their players to watch. Um, for me, it's Nathan Evaldi. He had that incredible, incredible, incredible postseason last year. He was an absolute workhorse for the Red Sox. Um, I want to see if he's worth this new contract or he was just fired up for the postseason last year. Yeah, Evaldi was a stud out of the bullpen. And in fact, I kind of think that they want they the reason they brought Evaldi back in my eyes is more geared up for that postseason and to bring him out of the bullpen again. Like, don't get me wrong, he's going to start throughout the season and eat innings, but I think the the long goal here is for him to come out of the bullpen in the playoffs. But um, my player to watch is Dustin Pedroia. Um, I just can he stay on the field? A healthy Dustin Pedroia in that lineup every day and at the top of his game makes that lineup even better than it was last year. He's been in and out of the lineup a couple down years. If he can find his game again, I mean, you're not looking at a single hole one through nine. Yeah, I completely agree. They've um they've discussed his 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 playing time for the year and his run. Um they're saying between hundred and hundred and fifteen games is what they want to give him for the regular season. So we'll be seeing a lot of Brock Hole as well at two B um and potentially whoever else they they bring up or or get um you know eduardo nunez can play a little second too but um yeah i mean pedroia a healthy pedroia man he he's gonna carry the team a long way if, if he's healthy man he means we've seen him win gold gloves we've seen him you know mvp go, go for batting race, titles so I, I yeah i agree man yeah and then um for as far as fantasy goes you could really pick out anyone in that you know top 
out of those top four hitters, and that's fine. But I'll uh, I'll take Benintendi, and the reason being is because of the speed on the bases. Uh, swiped 21 bags last year, scored 103 runs. Um, I think there's a lot of plus side with him hitting lead off of them. Yeah, I completely agree again. Um, for fantasy, yeah, I have I literally have written down one through five in their lineup, comma, sale. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you re- really can't go wrong with the Red Sox <laughs> in fantasy baseball. No, absolutely not. Definitely get as much Reds, as many Red Sox players as you can. Um, World Series odds, seven to one. Uh, I'll probably probably invest some money in that one. What about yes, you? Yes, I will. I will most definitely be putting something down on that. Um, over under ninety five. I'm going over. I think uh, you know that bullpens they're going to have uh, some hiccups throughout the year, but I think they'll get everything fixed up around the deadline and they'll uh, they'll cross ninety five. I agree. I think they're going to get ninety nine wins this year. Just missed that one hundred mark. All right. They're gonna get a hundred now, just despite you. Last day of the season, watch. I'd be, <laughs> I would not be happy with that. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on to uh, my Tampa Bay Rays, um, one of the best pipelines in baseball. Um, six six guys in the top one hundred. Um, go by the names of Wander Franco, who's nineteen years old, hell of a shortstop. Brent Honeywell, twenty um, eighth prospect pitcher. Brendan McKay. Plays first base and can pitch DH. He's the 29th. And then Jesus Sanchez, 39th outfield. Liberatory, left-handed pitcher, 55th. Ronaldo Hernandez, catcher, 84th. I mean, it just it just keeps going, too. It's it's incredible, the, the farm system that they have in Tampa right now. Yeah, the farm system is one of the best in baseball. And as far as the – big league club goes and payroll goes they're one of the cheapest teams in baseball so i mean they're granted it's tampa and they always try to stay low but i mean you can't really ask for a better foundation to build up for the future than what they got going in tampa yeah no it's it's amazing um they have all these guys in the top 100 and then a guy who one of the guys who's probably going to crack that big league roster isn't even in the top 100 he goes by the name of nate Lowe, plays a little plays a little one B he's been absolutely mashing the ball in spring training. And uh, they're looking at him to come up to the big club sooner rather than later, which is, uh, which is good stuff. And like you're saying, man, they, they don't want to spend any money, which is, which is, it's annoying as a fan, but I mean, they always find a way to put a team on the field that competes day in and day out. So it's, you know, they're exciting to watch. Yeah, and look, I don't think we're in the age of baseball anymore where you have to be the Yankees to win and just throw money around. Um, Oakland, Kansas City, Tampa, I mean, there's plenty of teams that have shown you that you can win with a small payroll. So, look, the makeup of this team, while the names don't flash off the paper or anything when you're looking at them, it's a good team that's going to compete with all those teams that went out and spent a bunch of money this year. Absolutely. Um, Some of the guys they added, um, they did pay a little bit of money for slash got in trades. Um, Yanni Diaz, they got in a trade from the Indians. Uh, Abisail Garcia from the White Sox. Um, Mike Zunino from the, from the Seattle Mariners, who they lost Malik Smith for. Um, and then Charlie Morton, I mean, what an underrated signing for the, for the Rays right there. Um, some good, some really good additions to the team after losing a couple bats in uh, Jake Bowers, Malik Smith, and CJ Crone. Yeah, and um... – Morton was, I mean, I don't feel like anyone talked about Charlie Morton signing in Tampa Bay, but he was one of, you know, the five best pitchers in the free agent market this offseason, if not like top three. So that was a huge signing for them, especially in a market where free agents don't necessarily go. Um, I would have liked to have seen them sign Nelson Cruz in the offseason. I think that would have been a perfect fit in the middle of that order. Um, Garcia will do that job and he'll do it well. Uh, he's younger too. You don't have to worry about the injuries as much with him. So I think Garcia was a great find. Uh, the real thing here is going to be first base, seeing who's really going to – is Yandy Diaz going to provide the power in the middle of that order um, to know, you know to really jolt this lineup, or is Nate Lowe going to have to come up and play? Yeah, so at 1B right now, it's, it's a competition between G-Man Choi – um, Yanni Diaz, and then like you're saying, Nate Lowe has been he's been producing right now. Um, they've even thrown Brandon Lau over at one B. I mean, they want someone that could be consistent over there. 
that can play a bunch of games, be a, be a power stick in the middle of the order. Um, but I mean, it's not a bad problem to have, you know, having a bunch of guys that can hit and and vying for that spot. No, it's not. And I mean, look, the the power is something you want out of that part of the order, and it's obviously something they're going to look for. But the way this lineup's made up is everyone puts the ball in play. And something Yandy Diaz does, and a reason why they went out and got him, is he puts the ball in play. Um, you know, it's 265 ABs. He's hit a 283 hitter, uh, 361 on base percentage, uh, 75 hits, 40 runs. So he, the guy, the guy puts the ball in play. He kind of fits their style of play. Um, you know, Choi's a guy that's been on, what, four teams in four years. So I really don't think he's going to be a big part of this competition. I really think it's going to come down to is Diaz going to show them enough to win out that spot or is one of the two lows going to steal it from him? Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Diaz is definitely that guy that he's not going to strike out a bunch. He's going to put the ball in play. Like you said, something the Rays do really well. Um, I mean, their lineup's going to consist of, you know, Meadows, who they stole in that Chris Archer trade, Tommy Pham, who they basically stole. I mean, <laughs> they stole, they stole everyone. The <laughs> I mean, it was awesome last year, you know, the moves that they made. And then, you know, a mixture of, you know, either Diaz and Garcia in the middle there with Choi mixed in. Um, Joey Wendell, who was a viable option for rookie of the year last year, uh, hit over three, hit, no, he hit exactly 300 last year. Um, if Matt Dubby's healthy, he'll be there at 3B. Willie Adamas, who's shown amazing bright spots. Kevin Kiermeyer, who's a gold glove center fielder. And then Mike Zunino, who is a, a solid backstop. So a lineup that's really good. A couple guys off the bench include Daniel Robertson. And like we've touched on, uh, Brandon Lau, who's hitting 468 this spring. I mean, they, they got guys that, can, that are interchangeable, that can play multiple positions. Um, this, is, this is a scary lineup, man. I don't, I don't want to pitch to it on a, on a daily basis. No, and the reason you don't want to pitch to it, it's interesting because most lineups you'd say that's a scary lineup are the ones that can go deep and hit for power. But the this lineup doesn't really do that aside from, you know, maybe Mike Zanino is a 20-home run guy or Avisail Garcia, but they don't really have that many of those. The reason they're scary is because they spray the ball all over the field. All of them hit. Uh, Kiermaier, Fan, Wendell, athletic guys on the bases, uh, Willie Adamus as well. So, yeah, exactly like you said, this is – they're going to be no fun whatsoever to go. It's, or I should say, it's going to be no fun to go into Tampa and pitch to this team. Nah, especially in their uh, little little hut of a stadium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to get them out of there, man. Absolutely. Um, but uh, moving on to the most, uh, I guess, you know, wild part of their team is their rotation. Last year, they pretty much they won ninety games with pretty much only one starting pitcher, which was incredible. Um, and God, he, they, they had Sergio Romo, too. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, and they, they lost him. But uh, adding Charlie Morton and then Tyler Glass now in that trade from last year with the Pirates, they have three starters. Um, they're going to start them one, two, three, uh, and then go opener four and five to start the season. Um, and, uh, I mean, Snell – Reigning AL Cy Young. Let's see if he can keep it up. And then Charlie Morton, you know, hopefully that move to Tampa works out for him. And Tyler Glass now, who we've seen incredible stuff from. So if those three guys can hold it down, their method of the opener is, is going to end up working yet again. Yeah, for sure. Um, Glass now, while he's not the best pitcher in this rotation, he might have the best stuff in this rotation. And to be saying that when you got Blake Snell and Charlie Morton in front of him, that's a pretty scary thought that that guy might be your number three pitcher. So if Glasnow could put it all together this year, I mean, like we said, guys, they stole at the deadline last year that he might be the definition of the steal of the year from uh, 2018. And then I do think we're going to see Brent Honeywell up this year. Um, as you said, that force five spot, we'll be seeing a lot of bullpen stuff, but um Man, I think Honeywell can kind of, if he's given the opportunity, come up and take one of those role or take one of those positions in the rotation and kind of set himself up there. Yeah, I mean, I I would love to see Honeywell up. Um, he had that that Tommy John last year, but uh, yeah, I would love to see him only have one opener as opposed to two. Um, 
I mean, those openers include Ryan Stanek, who throws 99 to 100, Joe Castillo, who has a nasty slider, and then a mixture of Hunter Wood. Um, I mean, decent openers, you're going to get the job done, give you two innings, um, and then bounce back and come into back into the bullpen one of the next days. Um, their bulk guys include Brian Yarbrough, Jacob Faria, Jalen Beeks, and Yanni Sharinos. I think Honeywell is better than all four of those guys. So I would love to see him up as opposed to sticking with the four that I just mentioned. Yeah, and that's exactly why I said it. Um, now, I mean, we're not – if we see Honeywell, it's not going to be till probably September, right? I mean, uh, he had the surgery. He's a younger guy anyway. Um, so I don't think we'd see him till the end of the year, which is fine anyway because that's the point in the year when you're going to want to give your bullpen some of that time off, let those arms uh, – get ready for playoff baseball and I mean I'm sure the Rays expect to be competing for that spot this year uh I I myself think they'll be competing for that spot I think you do as well so for him to be able to come up at the end of the year and kind of give the bullpen a little bit of uh take some pressure off their shoulders that'd be huge for the team yeah I completely agree they've they've always been a team to to bounce guys up and down from from Durham to Tampa so I don't think they'll have a problem doing that towards the end of the season this year as well um, the rest of the bullpen um, includes one of the guys with one of the best sliders in baseball, Ch- uh, Chaz Rowe, and then they, you know, sprinkle in Jose Alvarado, Jose De Leon, Wilmer Font, and Adam Kalarik, who's probably at the bottom tier of that bullpen. But I mean, a, a bunch of pitchers that can throw and throw a bunch of innings for them, and it's, uh, I mean, they're fun to watch. Yeah, this is a platoon bullpen right here. There's no real standout guy but there's just a bunch of guys who have good stuff can pitch in different situations. Um, you know, they don't really need specialists. They have guys that can throw to all different types of headers. Um, so up and down, I mean, it's not a bullpen that you're going to look at and think, it, you know, it's not the Yankees bullpen on paper. It doesn't jump out at you, but it's definitely a solid one. Yeah, absolutely. They're, you know, they're just, they're, they're good guys. Like I said, they go up and down. They don't mind, um, you know, this this is a team that bought in last year, and you saw it towards the end of the season, and they made an incredible run. They almost caught the A's, unfortunately didn't. But, I mean, 90 wins for a team with arguably one starter. I mean, incredible, incredible stuff. Um, for me this year, player to watch, Willie Adamas. I'm so excited to see him play a 162-game season and see what he can do for an entire year. I'm just – I'm so excited for it. Yeah, I – Dude, that kid is one of the most fun players to watch in all of baseball. Um, he's also my player to watch, but because you took Willie Adamas, I'll give Mike Zanino. Um, I think Zanino is one of the more underrated backstops in the game, and I think he gives you that 20, 25, 30 home run power. Um, so if he can give Tampa and, – and he's a veteran. He's been calling games for a long time. So if he can give Tampa – you know, a hundred game, a hundred plus games this year. I think he's going to be a huge help for them. Yeah, absolutely. We just need him for about. They just need him for about hundred, hundred ten games. Then uh, they'll sprinkle in uh, Michael Perez, who who showed who showed good stuff last year, as well as uh, Nick Chufo, who's who plays for Durham. So I mean, they got a bunch. Oh, they got a bunch of guys interchangeable in and out. Um, an unselfish ball club. Um, fantasy wise, I mean, for me, it's uh, it's Tommy Pham, Joey Wendell. Blake Snell, Charlie Morton. I mean, I really wouldn't invest in, in too many other players after that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think Adamus is also another guy you could look at in fantasy. Um, not that he's a high-end shortstop or anything, but someone later in drafts or in a dynasty league if you're looking for younger players. But, yeah, there's those five are probably exactly who I'd be looking at from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I completely agree. The other guys just they don't – they don't play enough games. Um, you know, I mean, you could keep them on your bench or whatnot and, and plug them in, but uh, a lot of the other guys are only 100, 100 game players as opposed to these guys who are 140, 150 game players. Um, World Series odds, 35 to 1. I, I think I'm going to hammer that. Yeah, it's worth a shot on them. Um, long odds, but long odds for a team that's probably what what would you say I would say they're probably the fifth or sixth best team in the AL on paper so you're looking at a pretty good shot of at least making the playoffs and you know getting there's a lot of the battle yeah absolutely they're 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 definitely in the top 
top five, top six teams in the AL in, the AL, uh, in general. Um, their over under is eighty four and a half. I'm 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 easily taking the over, man. You're gonna give a team that just won ninety games, who may have potentially gotten better, and you're gonna drop their over under eighty four and a half. So, yeah, I'm gonna take the over on that. I'm also going to take the over. Um, I don't know that they get to 90 again, but I do think they're going to be somewhere between 85 and 90. Absolutely. So moving on to the potential front runner in the AL East. Um, yeah, why we had to save them for last, dude? I mean, uh, well, I kind of did in alphabetical order. Um. <laughs> yeah, all right. I mean, you know, the whole best for last is like a real thing. You oh, should have well. thought about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, you know I don't like them. But anyway, the New York Yankees, um, got to talk about them. Uh, pipeline, it's a little uh, a little thin these days because of a lot of the moves they've made, a lot of the money they spent. Um, and, I mean, if we're being realistic, their pipeline is basically their major league team now. A lot of those guys that they built up make up the roster now. So uh, they kind of already utilized it. It's in an overhaul now, but all those guys are playing. Well, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, Glaber and then uh, and Duhar, Sanchez, you know, they're they're there. So Judge, yeah, exactly, Judge. So they're all there. Um, I mean, just what's left is thin. Uh, if those guys ended up getting moved somehow, um, Esteban Floreal, who's uh, you know, fifty seventh uh, prospect in baseball, and then uh, Jonathan Loizaga, who pitched a, a decent amount of games in for the big club last year. 66th best prospect in baseball. So um, two guys with definitely with star potential. Um, like, like we said, Wazoo is probably going to find his way into the starting rotation to start the year with the injuries to uh, CC and uh, Luis Severino. Yeah. Um, and I think he'll probably be up there most of the year. This is a team where, or a rotation, sorry, where guys like Tanaka and Sabathia have, proven year in year out they're not going to stay healthy for the full se- full length of the season so um not that this is a six-man rotation or anything but he's going to be the sixth guy there yeah completely agree with that um i mean cc and he's in his last year he's he's just really getting up there in age um he can only pretty much throw about four solid innings a night so i'm not even sure why they re-signed him but i mean i guess because he's a bulldog towards the end of the year but uh, I mean, yeah, Luazga is gonna gonna see his way into the rotation a bunch of times throughout the year, up and down. Um, some of the other guys that they added to this uh, already solid ball club: um, Troy Tulowitzki, Jonathan Paxton was a huge pickup. Adam Ottavino to throw into that bullpen, and then DJ LeMay, who is who's gonna be one of the best utility guys in all of baseball. Um, I mean, really good, solid additions to an already solid ball club. Yeah, and now I don't know what they're going to do, um, but LeMay, with Didi out, I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for them to get Glaber Torres some work at shortstop and let LeMayhew get acclimated to the scene in New York, play second base, and then when Didi comes back, you can figure that out and uh, let LeMayhew be that rotation guy. But a lot of people seem to think Troy Tulowitzki is going to start at shortstop for this team to start the year, and... Can I remind everyone that Troy Tulowitzki couldn't start in Toronto last year, man? What are we doing? I, I honestly, this is, this I honestly is one don't of the know. Best teams in baseball, and you're telling me Troy Tulowitzki in 2019 starting at shortstop when you got Glaber Torres? What are we doing? Why the Yankees have to make some kind of splash about everything? They ain't go get a big name player in the offseason. Or that that a young big name player. So the biggest name player they got. What are they going to do? They're just going to throw him at short and hope for the best. I mean, dude, let the kid play shortstop. It's his position. Yeah, I'm, dude. I I'm right there with you. The, there's nothing more annoying than than the Yankees doing something like make a move to get Tulo, start him, and then try to have him be some sort of comeback story. It's it's just it's just annoying. Like you have the addition of DJ LeMay who who is a solid second baseman. You already have Labor Torres, who you can see has 25 home run power, is a good defensive shortstop, and you're just not going to play him there. You're going to play a guy who literally is more ah, – I, I just can't fathom it. it I, I, I agree with you 100%, man. And, I mean, yeah, I, I don't I, – I swear that 
they like they have some cooped up idea every off season where they just have to be the winner. Like they want at the end of this season, they want to be able to turn around and tell everyone, uh, Troy Tulowitzki had an all star year on a, a league minimum contract. Like, listen, no one cares. It's Troy Tulowitzki. If he turns it around, great. But guess what? He hasn't turned it around for four years. So clearly, this is just another one of those Yankee splashes. Let Glaber Torres play shortstop. Stop with how. Ha- I just don't understand. Like, you have Judge, you have Stanton, you have big-name guys at the top of the order. There's just no need for Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah, completely agree. Um, talking about that order um, and that lineup in general, it's going to consist of um, Aaron Hicks, who they just signed to a long-term deal, um, Aaron Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, and Duhar, Luke Voigt's probably going to find his way as a starting first baseman. And then, you know, like you're saying, Tulowitzki might be the sh- starting shortstop which he shouldn't be, Flavor Torres and then Brett Gardner, who for some reason the New York uh, faithful still think is a solid left fielder. Um, he has a worse arm than a 13-year-old, so I, I just don't understand it. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you, and I think uh, Gardner's days are numbered out there. Clint Frazier is going to get a lot of run, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, speaking of the bench, I, I mean, a solid bench again, Greg Bird. Clint Frazier, who I hope plays more than uh, than expected. Um, DJ LeMayhew, who we've talked about. Austin Romine, who was one of the best backstop, uh, best backup catchers in all baseball, in my opinion. And then whenever GD's healthy, I mean, you know, a, a bunch of guys that can do a bunch of things. A solid lineup um, through and through. Yeah, solid lineup. Um I would say a solid lineup in terms of run production. Um, Not necessarily a solid lineup in terms of getting on base and creating for themselves. So while I do think it's a great lineup, I do think that there are going to be times without question where it struggles. And it's because of the strikeout numbers and it's because of how often they rely on the home run. Exactly. Especially when they're not in New York. So uh, playing in that kid, Kitty ballpark with uh, yeah, three, the little, three eighteen yeah. down left and three fourteen in right. What a joke! And Gardner still can't hit the cutoff man with that outfield. <laughs> well, I, to be fair, Judge and Hicks uh, have incredible arms, so I'll, I'll give them that. It looks like, it looks like Judge is playing on a tee ball field when he throws it from the right field wall, and it's a joke. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, moving on to uh, the rotation, with which we've touched on a little bit. Um, when Severino's healthy, he's going to be the number one. But uh, Tanaka is getting the, the nod opening day, so he's going to start out as the number one. Um, Paxton's there, big move for them. Jay Happ, which is a decent signing. Um, and then it's going to be a mixture of D- Domingo Germán, Luis Sessa, Jonathan Loizaga for now until CeCe gets healthy. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of Domingo and then uh, Loizaga. But – Paxton was obviously the big move for them this offseason, the big signing. I mean, they gave up Justice Sheffield to do it. I don't think they should have, but they did. Um, Paxton was great the first half of last year. Second half, he struggled a little bit. Um, Has had a few injury issues. He's, you know, on the other side of 30 now, getting older. I don't know that you go give up a guy like Justice Sheffield for a guy like James Paxton, but they're trying to win right now. And in terms of this year, it was a move that definitely helps them in the push for uh, a World Series. Completely agree. Um, he definitely has that, that big game potential to him. Um, they call him the Big Maple, so from Canada, eh? Um, he'll, get some, he'll get some stuff done in New York. Um, hopefully, he can hold up in New York, though. I mean, tough, uh, tough crowd over there, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. Um but for some reason, they'll get behind Brett Gardner and then they'll boo James Paxton. So I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, they booed, uh, you know, Stan for half the year last year. and uh, Yeah, they, him booed, bum, they so. booed him for a month and then they were like, oh, he's actually pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So whatever. Um, bullpen, I mean, best in baseball easily. Um, Chapman, Adovino, Britain. It's, it's an all-star bullpen. Green, Holder, Canely. I mean, just it, it goes on. Yeah, every single one of those guys is an all-star relief pitcher in, in this league. Um, you know, the one thing we you do see out of the guys in the Yankees' bullpen is that they just kind of go through lapses where they don't pitch a certain number of days because 
you know, other guys in that bullpen need to get work. And I think it kind of throws off rhythm, but that's really the only way you're getting to this bullpen is uh, them beating themselves up because if they're pitching their games, uh, they're by far the toughest bullpen to hit. Yeah, for sure. You got to catch them off like a, like an 11 game road trip, you know, <laughs> and you'll, you might have some success. Um, like you said, they, they try to implement some of the other guys just in case one of the top guys gets hurt. So, you know, they have some stuff going, but I mean, if they're all on, man, it, it's, it's it's a rough it's a rough going uh, sixth inning on man it's uh it's tough to to face that team um, players to watch for me is obviously uh, is Paxton I want to see if he can you know accommodate to the New York lifestyle see what he does in front of a crowd that will potentially boo him if he has a bad start so um, yeah Paxton for me um, mine kind of a similar reasoning uh, mine's Aaron Hicks uh, Hicks got a new contract in the off season. Uh, so now he's expected to be an everyday outfielder for them for a long time, hit leadoff in that lineup. Uh, so I'm just – I want to see if under the pressure, you know, now we got paid, the New York media is going to be on you after you get paid. you got to produce now. So I want to see if he's going to be able to maintain uh, that same form that he has over the last couple of years. That's a good one. I did not even take that into consideration, but him getting paid is definitely going to put him in the spotlight a little bit more. Um Fantasy you can't go, can't go, go Ellsbury out there, man. They'll let you have it. Exactly. Well, he's he's somehow still on that team. So. I mean, no one else wants him. Why would you? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, fantasy wise, I mean, it's it's fantasy heavy for the Yankees. Um, obviously, Judge I think would be my number one for them, and then Stanton, Severino, uh, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Hicks. I mean, you can't really go wrong with pretty much anyone in their lineup. No, you can't. Uh, I would give Gary Sanchez as one just because catcher's a thin position. And if we're talking, you know, just give you some people to look at. Um, look, he got he had a rough year last year, hit below the Mendoza line in 89 games. Uh, I don't think he's looked good in spring to this point either. But in 2017, he looked like one of the best hitters in baseball. And he had 278 with 30-plus home runs, almost 100 RBIs. So if Sanchez bounces back and you can have him at a catcher position that's extremely thin, it's going to benefit your team. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's definitely someone needing the snag um, with the the thinness of the catcher position in fantasy uh, fantasy baseball and in the MLB in general. Um, World Series odds eleven to two. Um, I'm never going to bet on the Yankees. Uh, I don't know about you. Um, I think I think there's a reason why they were the betting favorite this offseason, and it's that bullpen to pair with uh, that that lineup. Um, I don't think I don't think at the end of games this is a team that's going to falter. I think if they get a lead, they're going to maintain it. So for that reason, I think that yeah, you have to consider not only consider them uh, a favorite to get to the World Series, but a probable contender to get there at that. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's it's hard to ignore the talent that they have, um, especially in the lineup in the bullpen, like you're saying. And if Severino and Paxton and Tanaka can stay healthy for the entire year, once Severino's back, I mean, it, it, they're going to be a really tough team down the stretch. Um, Over-under, 97 wins. For me, I'm going to take the over. I think they get to 100 or 101 wins for the year. I'm also going to take the over. I think them and the Red Sox are going to be neck and neck coming down to the last day of the season for that division. I, I completely agree. Um, for me, it's going to look a little bit like Yankees, Red Sox interchangeable at the top, Rays right behind, Blue Jays um, struggle a little bit, but be there, you know, until end of July at least. Then uh, the Orioles are going to be done at the end of April. The Orioles are done already. Don't even give them that, dude. They're done. Stick a fork in them. They're cooked. I got to give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, for the sake of giving a definitive, I'll go. I think the Red Sox do take it. Um, then the Yankees, the Rays, with those three teams all uh, getting postseason bids. And then, um, yeah, Toronto and Baltimore in that order. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Three, three teams from the AL East are going to make the playoffs this year. Um, I think three teams, AL and NL East. It's going to be a uh, very, very fun November, or October and November of baseball on the East Coast. Yeah, it's going to be going to be incredible. Um, before we wrap up, we have a couple uh, mailback questions that got sent in 
today. Um, question from Tom, who's a Yankees fan that happens to live in Baltimore. Uh, what, where will Kimbrell sign? Um, what do you think about Joe? What do you think where, where Kimbrell is going to go? I think that either Atlanta or Houston makes a lot of sense right now, especially because I think that those years are going to have to come down for him. And when they do come down, he's going to get more suitors than he has. Um, I think the Phillies are still in the mix. You can't count them out along with the Red Sox. But I think Houston or uh, or Atlanta might be the home for Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, for me, I think he's going to end up with either Atlanta or Tampa Bay, who has been talking to him for quite some time. Um, he might be the one guy that they spend money on, which uh, which would be kind of nice. Um and then the last question is, when when is uh, Vlad Jr. going to be brought up? Uh, we touched on it earlier. He's injured right now, but um, we think it should be sooner rather than later. But uh, you never know with the Blue Jays GM right now. Yeah. Um, look, I'll give you my answer to be as soon as possible. As soon as he's healthy from that injury, he should be up. Um, I think that they're going to smarten up their fan bases, clamoring to have the kid play, so – I think you'll see him as soon as he's able to get on the field. And the last one is from Antonio from uh, Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, what is it? Oh, is is JBJ going to be able to maintain what he did in the playoffs and make an MVP type of run this year, be a top 10 finisher for the MVP? <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what, what do you think? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I think he'll be better than he was in the regular season last year. Um, we saw the type of talent he had in the postseason, but um, him making a top 10 MVP run, it, it doesn't seem feasible to me, um, especially with, you know, a bunch, a bunch of guys that res- were deserving last year that didn't even end up coming close. Um, and you don't even hear about those guys that do finish, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 anyway. So I don't even think we would know, notice if he was there. Right. I mean, um, look, he's a great player, great talent. Um, the numbers, the production, they're just not there to be considered for MVP. Um, look, if we're not talking about Whit Merrifield for MVP, then we're certainly not talking about JBJ. So that's kind of where I stand on that. 100% agree with you. So um, that's that's it for the Sneaky Place podcast. want to remind you to um, visit JokerMag.com. Got a bunch of good stuff going, entertainment and sports-wise. Um, follow us at sneaky at sorry at play sneaky on Twitter. Um, you can follow Joe at taking the price. He's going to have some gambling stuff for you in the coming weeks, especially with March Madness going. And you can follow me on Twitter at b underscore contino twenty three. Um, I tend to be a little funny on the Twitter, so uh, give me a follow, give us a shout out, and uh, we appreciate the question. See you next. Week. Out here talking yourself up, huh, man? Absolutely. See you next week, everyone. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Awesome. This podcast was brought to you by JokerMag.com, home of the underdog.